they weren't awake, they're awake now, right? God bless you. What a worshipful, worshipful time. Bowing before the King. Thank you, orchestra, choir, soloists, praise band, all of you that bring that so we can be there and enjoy what it feels like to be before the throne of God. What a powerful thing. Welcome, members and guests. Thank you for being here today. Welcome all those watching on our simulcast right now. Glad to have you joining us, whether in mountain, beach, or at home, or some even in assisted living and some on vacation. Glad you can join with us today. We have, we're starting off today with some wisdom from one of our scholarly friends by the name of Bubba. It seems that he and a couple of friends decided they would take a hunting trip. They go off to another state, and lo and behold, they had all their supplies with them. They get lost. Shock, right? They're lost there. They're wandering around in circles, not knowing where they are. Their cell phones by this time have died. No way to get a hold of anyone. And so, Bubba, as he's wandering around trying to navigate where they are, stumbles across a little lantern. What kind of lantern? Let me wink to you. This is a story. It's a joke. A magic lantern. He picks it up, takes off the top, and poof, a genie appears. Sir, you have opened up the magic lantern. We will grant each one of you on this trip one wish each. And so Bubba runs and tells the guys, the genie reappears, and says, Bubba, you will go last. So he appears to the first man and says, what is your wish? He said, well, I wish that I could be back home with my friends and family, and poof, he's gone. To the second man, he says, I'll come back tomorrow. Think about your wish, and I will come back and grant it tomorrow. 24 hours passes. The genie comes back, and sir, what may I grant you? I wish also that I could be back home with my friends and family, and poof, he is gone. Bubba, I've saved your wish for last. I will be back in 24 hours to get your wish. And lo and behold, 24 hours passes. And at that time, he reappears to Bubba, and he finds Bubba kind of distraught. Bubba, what is your wish? Jeannie, I'm so lonely. I wish my friends was back here. I'm using that. There is method to the madness. Talking about choices. You might think, Bubba, that's not a good choice. But today's message has a lot to do with choices. Choices are significant. When we look today at Elijah, one man and his God, I want you to remember something as we've been looking through this whole narrative regarding the life of Elijah. It's been an incredible journey. The bottom line is, There's more than just Elijah involved in this story. The question ends up being, really, how did Israel end up in such a mess? How did a nation end up in such a mess? Well, it's always a matter of choices, isn't it? And as we look at an individual making some choices today, we started out with the ludicrous Bubba, but we're going to look at Elijah today. And it's kind of crazy when you look at it, really, and and try and analyze 
what's taking place in his life. But I think you will find how real it is when you put yourself in his place, if you would, for just this message. As you think about a nation today with the many issues that we face and think about Israel, think about our nation. And perhaps today God will speak truth into your heart regarding your part in making sure what we just sang about, worshiping and bowing before the king, is a reality. Now, as we start out today, 1 Kings 19, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So Jezebel hears the news, and what does she do with the news? The same thing some people would do with the news today that I shared about Christ, about him being the only way of salvation, about Christ paying the debt for every single person on the face of the earth, but a gift that has to be received. God's provided for all people, and some people will see that. They will negate it. They will make fun of it. They will disregard it. They'll put off a decision. But today's a day of choice also for you. If you haven't chosen to receive forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ and the gift of eternal life. Ahab told Jezebel everything the word of God says. Everything Elijah had done, what did he do? If you recall, one of the greatest miracles appointed by people that say, name something that's incredible God did in the Bible. They mentioned this miracle. God calls fire down from heaven, burns up the sacrifices, the rocks, the water, laps it all up, and boom, the other 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah can't do anything. That day, we see an incredible act happen. Followed, mind you, by the ending of a drought. Remember, it hasn't rained for about three and a half years now. Had anyone ever been in a drought that long? I'm not talking about your dating life, dude. I'm talking about a, a drought of rain, right? Sometimes that can happen. Yes, I have more longer than that. But the bottom line is, there's been no rain. I've been in Texas where it hadn't rained for a long time. And I remember one day after, I think it was close to about 55, 60 days. Now, this is in the summer. And I know they told you wherever it went, some of the folks would, from the seminary call, say it. It's hot here, but it's a dry heat. When the heat index is 132, you still cook. Doesn't make any difference. But anyway, I remember rain coming one day, and I was getting ready to get in my car and look. Just so I walked to my office in the rain. I loved it. It was just I said, God, thank you. The earth. I just loved it. Is that possible? Yes, it is. I did it. Imagine three and a half years. So what does Jezebel say when we look at her words? She. Well, she doesn't say when Ahab tells her everything, and by the way, it's raining now, that she says, wow, you know what? I've really been wrong. The God of Israel is the true and living God. And look, there's rain coming. You see, she had some food and drink during the drought. She doesn't care that it's raining and all the other people, all the other farmers, where this drought's been upon the land, the drought's finally broken. She's focused on herself. My problem, my thing, my power is dwindled. My prophets have been killed that were leading people astray. 
My power is diminished. I'm not validated through them anymore. Have you ever lost validation in someone and lost your bearing in life? You see, that's what happens to Jezebel. I've lost my power. She didn't care about the miracles. Loses her power. We see what happened. Because she's got a calloused heart, a hardened heart. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get a calloused heart or a hardened heart, things don't bring feeling to you at that point. All through the Word of God, we see people who've experienced a hardened heart, and there's no doubt, some in this room or some watching, for one reason or another, they got hurt in the church, they got hurt in a relationship, they didn't get the job they wanted, something happened, and they say, you know what? I'm not going to go and be part. I'm not going to pray anymore. God didn't answer my prayer. My loved one died, or I didn't get this job, or I wanted so-and-so, and I didn't get that relationship. Whatever it is, I got this disease, or have... There's some way, somehow, that a heart can become hardened. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have the wrong presuppositions of life, you can get a hardened heart. If you think everything that is easy and right will happen to you, listen carefully. The moment you draw your first breath, the next breath can be your last breath. We're born and we leave this earth. People get diseases, people get accidents, the thing called gravity works. A ball and a face were never meant to occupy the same place at the same time, and accidents can happen. There are certain uh, rules and laws of nature that just happen. It's a fallen earth. And today, on planet earth, 153,000 people will die, and it happens every day. The mortality rate among humanity is very high. (laughs) Isn't it? Very high. So we see this callous heart. It's unmoved by God's power. Unless we indict that on Jezebel, I say to you today, are you unmoved by God's power in your life? I know we realize that God is the almighty God, the God of creation. The word of God says we're to dwell on it. We're to meditate on it. And sometimes after enough time, we can lose that excitement about that about the grandeur of God, the majesty of God, the holiness of God, the creative ability of God, God of salvation, all of those things. Callous heart. The Word of God tells us in Psalm 95, verses 8 and 9, listen to this. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah and as you, on the day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. What did they see? They saw miraculous things all around them. They saw the plagues, saw the sea open up. They got fed. All the wonderful things that happened, and they hardened their heart. Because we find out as humans, sometimes we're only as good as the last prayer we didn't pray or did pray, the last relationship we had, the last meal we had, the last promotion we had, whatever it is. We are frail creatures of dust connected to the Spirit of God, powerful and wonderful things can happen. When we get disconnected, you can be sitting right here in the midst of a worship, hear the same worship song everyone else heard, and be unmoved. The Word can unmove you. Your class can unmove you. Why? Because of a callous and hardened heart. But I submit to you again, how did Israel end up in the mess they ended up? They continued to resist God's will And it was a result of choices. And so today, in your life, there are choices you've made, young person, in your dating life, and how you seek God. Students, in the different major you will look at to have, you'll go through. In the practices you have in business, at home. 
where you are in your life, whether you're elderly or not so elderly, everyone in this room is making choices. You make choices whether you'll be in God's word or not, whether you'll pray with him, uh, to him during your day to pray without ceasing or not, whether you'll decide your life is not yours, it belongs to God or not. Every day is filled with choices. Hardened heart is a result of choices, period. Proverbs 28, 14 said, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. I've tested that. It's true. Isn't it? Have you tested it? If you're human and been here long enough, probably you have also. You fall into trouble with your mouth. You say things that your actions cannot cast. The apostle Peter knew about that. You end up in places you don't want to be and say, how did I end up here? I'm 30 years old. I'm 25 years old. I'm 70 years old. I'm not. How did I end up here? It's always a series of choices. How did our nation end up here? It's a series of choices. And God's word tells us we've always supposed to be about the things that God is about. Seeking his will, being a witness, being light, being salt. It's always a series of choices period. Continue. Note something. It's raining. There's no record of a word of thanksgiving to Jehovah God. Has God rained down some blessings in your life today? Not really. I don't have a good job. Listen, if you're vertical self-propelled and under the love of God, you are in a good day. I promise you, you were born in a place where you can carry your Bible if you want to. You can pray and worship the God you want to or not. You are here and have opportunity. You are in a good day. Yeah, but my diagnosis isn't good or this isn't happening this way. Listen, those are circumstances. If you limit God into the confines of a few minutes of a day, it's like basing climate control over what the temperature is going to be tomorrow. There's important things that God wants us to measure our life with, and it starts with a series of choices. And dear friend, we have opportunity to make the right choices. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them, she says. I'll get even with you. I'll show you. I always thought if you show someone the truth, that they would understand and they would get it, right? Just show them the truth. Look what happens. She saw it. She heard what happened. Her husband tells her all these things happen. And what happens? Sometimes what happens in a a fight between two people. Someone's going to be right coming whatever or high water, right? I'm going to be right. doesn't matter. I can be so wrong. If I just yell louder, that'll make my point. Or if I run away and slam a door, that will make my point, Right? And you see, with God, we don't have to slam the door. We can just slam our heart and do it passive-aggressively, can't we? And so we see how ugly self-service is, isn't it? It's really ugly. Look at 1 Kings 19, verses 3 and 4. Elijah was afraid to ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. Listen. When you get into a funk, some of the worst things, your mind telling you, you need to be alone, get away from everyone. You need to be around people who are strong in the faith. That's why we have discipleship groups here. We have life journey groups. We have those things and even corporate worship. So you're with other people. 
Your worst critic can be yourself if you don't have someone that's spiritual to bounce those things off or to help lift you out of that funk. And sometimes we just need it. But Elijah leaves his servant. There he goes. I'm going to go be alone, going to the desert. He came to a broom tree, a juniper tree, sat down under the tree. What does it say? Have you ever been there? And prayed that he might die. Wait, is this the same God that just saw the stuff? He's had all these years, all these crazy things happening, like it's just unbelievable. And he says, I want to die. I've had enough. What's the next word? Lord, let me tell you, God, I've had enough. I, let me, I've used those words. I resigned from a church position years ago because I'd had enough. I had enough, Lord. And sometimes God can move us that way. Make sure it's of God. But I've said those words, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Excuse me. Did you really think you were? Did you think you were the exception? You saw these great things happen. Did you think it was your power? I'm no better than my ancestors. Here I am. They're all hiding. And no doubt in his mind, many times, you know, I, they're all hiding. I'm out here trying to be the person of God. So what does he go to do? You know, you hurt me, so I'll hurt me, right? Every person dealing with addiction knows that. You hurt me, so I'll hurt me. And so he runs away after all these great things. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Listen, we're no better than our relationship and strength of that to God Almighty. We're susceptible to all kinds of things except we stay connected to God and his word and his principles and his precepts, period. We are no better than our ancestors. Go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Go all the way back and you watch and you'll see the story of humanity. I'm not the exception and you're not either. But where we can come into contact with success for God is by good choices, choosing his will, his ways, period. Now look at this next slide. What do we see? We see the weakness of a mighty man. Today's victories aren't going to be built on yesterday's victories, are they? It's not too far away from all this happening, and he's already in a funk. Elijah was afraid. You know what happens with the wrong kind of fear? You make poor choices. It leads to depression. It leads to anxiety. It leads to isolation. And it's part of the human spirit. That's where it leads us. We get off there. We get alone. No one else is like this. Everyone else here is spiritual except for me. Friend, we're all flesh and blood. And the fact is, God says he knows we are but dust. And unless we stay connected to him, we will, we will be just as off as Elijah got off with this and says, God, I've had enough. Take my life. Get me out of this place. I've had enough. I'm through. I'm done. By the way. Who told Elijah it was enough, right? God didn't. I always, I think this is fascinating to me. One of the remarkable dynamics regarding the inspiration of the Bible is God just tells the truth. If God had cut off Elijah's narrative at the end of chapter 18, wow, right? But you know what God does? He does this because he loves us. He shows us ourselves in that, doesn't he? Because no one would believe in fact we said, let's add on to this story. We'll make it a Hollywood production. Let's say now he's going to go into a funk and depression and want to die. He'd say, there's no way. He just saw that. He's not going to happen. Dear friend, it's part of the arrogance of the human spirit. 
Look what I've done now. Look what has happened to me. When the focus becomes me, there's problems. When we fear the wrong thing, there's problems. There's anxiety, there's depression, there's loneliness. Period. It's the wrong thing to do. Next slide. Did Elijah forget some things? Did he forget God fed him with ravens twice a day? Did he forget that God kept grain and oil in jars full for a long time? That he raised a boy from the dead when Elijah was there, saw it face to face, prayed that, came face to face with Ahab, who, by the way, wanted to kill him and was looking for him, faced 850 prophets of Baal. Did Elijah forget all that? He was afraid and he ran for his life because he got away from God and made some poor choices. He let fear rule his life. Not God's love, not God's care, not God's providence, not God's principles, not God's precepts. And it can happen like that. We see right here and it tells me something about me because I'm not an exception. And friend, you're not either. It can happen to you. When you begin to get led by the wrong kind of fear, you see the Bible says fear only one thing, fear God. Then everything else will fall into the right perspective. Fear him and him alone. We get to see the hero of Carmel, something happened, right? God not saving from the idol-worshiping queen? Of course he could. The hero of Carmel is reduced to the coward of Jezreel through fear. And God wants to neutralize you, friend, in a second. Boom. He wants to reduce you to the coward of UNCG or ANT or Guilford, wherever you go to school, or your high school or your middle school. He wants to reduce you to fear. Don't speak up. Don't say anything. Don't stay away from that. He wants you to reduce you to fear in your standards and what you believe and who you are. He wants to do the same thing in the workplace through fear. He wants you to go into your next doctor's appointment with fear. He wants you to show it. He wants your blood pressure to be 240 over 160. I, I have faith in God. <laughs> Listen, you either trust God or you don't. And I know it's a walk, and we all learn in that walk to learn how to do that more effectively with him. But I want to say something to you. God saved you, loved you, proved his love for you, and died on the cross. He can save you through something else or not if he chooses to. Because who knows what's better for your life, you or God. But I guarantee you right now, some people have said, I've had enough, God. God says, I know you, I know you believe that, but you haven't had enough yet. Here's more for you. I'm not through with you yet. Just hang on a little bit. I'm not through with you yet. What does the Word of God tell us to do? It says in Psalm 77, 11, and 12, I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. God wants us to look and see what he's done for other things like us called frail creatures of dust. Look what God has done. Look how he's acted when people fear him and seek him and follow him. You see, that's God's will for me is to make you and I like Christ, to get the me out of me and let God be God through me to minister to people. When I look and see a nation, how did Israel end up in this mess to begin with? Yes, we're talking about Elijah, but how did the nation get there? Let me submit to you that a whole lot of people made some poor choices. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm just one person. I'm not that important. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm just a student. I'm just whatever. When a group of people, when groupthink goes on like that, which it did in Israel, that's how you end up in the mess that we're in in our nation right now. 
Because you and I didn't take ownership of what we need to own, and we sat back. We thought just coming in this room was enough, and it's important, and we need to. But I have a personal responsibility, as well as you do, outside these walls, to have my life used by God, to live that. I don't have that much of an impact, Pastor. You don't know if God will bring someone in your life tomorrow, one person, that will be the next world changer. Period. They're not really that religious. Maybe not yet. But you don't know that that person may not discover some cure for cancer and become a believer and do an incredible and mighty thing to the God's honor and glory. You don't know that. But you see, when you look with eyes that are temporal, you won't see things like that. You'll minimize yourself and minimize God. Never minimize God. God wants to do great and mighty things if we allow him to do it. Period. So many don't. We're to remember the things God has done. He's done so many great things for me and for you. Has he not? It says he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I love this biblical irony. Think about this. Right? I love it. It's the story of life. The man that God determined would not face death. Many of you in this room were at the uh, International Student uh, Thanksgiving meal we have each year at our church. Students from probably, I don't know, 25, 30 countries fill the, uh, the, the Christian Life Center. It's wonderful to see it. One of the songs that a, a bluegrass group they had to give them some American culture was Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. I love that. I know some of the students, imagine being here from a student from... Iraq and China and all over hearing that. What is that? Swing low, sweet chair, coming forward to carry me. Who is that? What is that? And they heard a message of salvation in Christ in different ways through the service. Wonderful thing. Some may be in this room today. Thank you for coming. But that's a man God determined would not face death. Listen to this. He runs from death one day. Why is he fleeing? He's fleeing because he does not want to say it. It starts with a D. Die. Then he goes under a tree and then he wants to. It starts with a D. Die. That man's got, he's he's got a problem. He's just like you and I. You'll be up one minute. Mr. and Mrs. Wright looked at you, the future Mr. and Mrs. Wright. That job position looked like it opened up just for you. Your diagnosis looked like it's perfect. Everything looks right. And then all of a sudden there's a zag. Then what happens? Then what happens? Well, I don't want a lot. I'm going to face that. I, I can't make it. Well, we have choices. First John 4.18 tells us there is no fear in love. You see, when you and I believe that God loves us perfectly, it casts out fear. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When you believe that God truly loves you unconditionally, you get really free. You want to be free? You can be really free in that. God knows what's best for your life, and he loves you more than anyone on this earth could ever love you. One of the ways we can kind of understand that as a parent, with our children. If you're in a normative home, and raised in a normative home, where parents love you, you understand that, want to take care of you. That's what the Word of God tells us about love thing is, we don't dwell on that because we're too busy dwelling on some of our own issues. But I submit to you again, how did Israel end up in the mess it ended up? It's because people like me and you, ordinary people, sat there and started believing in the size of ourselves rather than the size of God. 
We got neutralized into mediocrity and apathy and floated along. And I'm speaking generally. And this is what happened. That's how Israel ended up in a mess. A series of poor choices. We're not made robotically. We've got someone here that is. This is Mr. Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I wonder why they didn't make a Mrs. Wonderful. Maybe we could. No, I'm just kidding. Because they already are. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Tomorrow, 47 years, my wife and I. Yep. Yep, tomorrow. God bless. 47. Yep, bless. More in love today than I was back then, right? A blessing to be able to say. But listen to Mr. Wonderful, pre-programmed to say things. Let's just cuddle tonight. (laughs) He says more. Do you have anything else, Mr. Wonderful? No, you don't look at all fat in that dress. <laughs> He's on sale after the service. You can get that. <laughs> Some of our ladies have it sleeping by the pillow next to them. <laughs> Listen, we're not pre-programmed like that to always give the right answer. This, He's pre-programmed to make a choice. God has given us enough to make right choices in our lives. And the bottom line is he's shown us how to make the right choices. But you have to let loose of yourself. You have to die to yourself and live under God's love and bask in the goodness of God's love. It casts out fear. You see, what do we fear? Right now, when I ask you, what's what's something you fear in your life? There's probably something you might fear more than other things. We all have different fears. Maybe health, maybe relational, maybe monetary, maybe future, maybe whatever it is. But God is Lord over that. And we learn to grow and to walk by saying, God, I give you control over that. I would worry about this, God, except for one thing. You've got this and you bought me, therefore I lose it in your love, period. Now look at this next slide. Who told Elijah it was enough? I've had enough, Lord. Who told him? But let me submit to me and to you. Who told you it's enough? Who told you? God didn't. And Elijah became a mission deserter, what I talked about just a few moments ago. When God's people become mission deserters, how did Israel pastor? How did they end up in that mess to begin with? Because all the ordinary people decided they were so ordinary that they didn't have to be part of the mission. And you know what happens when that happens? You become more enamored with the size of the person rather than the size of God. And you become a mission deserter. Moses had a similar situation in Numbers 11, verses 14 and 15. Do you know Moses wished the same thing? Look at it. Numbers 11, 14 and 15. I cannot carry all these people by myself. You never were, Moses. Remember, I did a few miracles for you, remember? I've, I've helped you. Didn't you? I was in that bush, remember? I did it. Okay. The burden is too heavy for me. Now, we've all felt that. But watch this. If this is how you're going to treat me. Wow. What does he say? Put me to death right now. If I have found favor in your eyes, do not let my face, excuse me, and do not let me face my own ruin. Wow. I love the Bible. It tells, us, tells it like it is, doesn't it? 
He's there. We've all been there. We felt those everything in varying degrees. You felt it. It's too much for me, God. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors, says Elijah. Excuse me. Did you think you were? You think you're something extra special because you had these miracles come down? Those miracles came because you were connected to the God of the universe in the right way. And we can have a tendency to think because we may look a little bit better than some of the folks out there. We're collected, connected to the miraculous thing. But ladies and gentlemen, every single person here in this room better be careful. We don't become a mission deserter. Think we're better than something. Because outside of God's grace and mercy and love and Holy Spirit that guides us, we're as bad as anybody else and behavior-wise. We're steadfast and strong only as we see God, period. Now, a story is told by Charles Allen in a book he wrote on prayer years ago. It's about a man that lived in a city that was known as the wisest man in the city. And in this particular person's life, every now and then someone would come up to try and stump him, okay? And in this city, a young man decided he was going to try and fool this man to make him make a wrong assessment, give a wrong answer. So the young man thought, I will capture a bird and hold it between my hands. And I will ask the wise sage, is the bird in my hands alive or dead? Thinking in his mind, if he says alive, I will just squeeze my hand before I open it up and extinguish the life of this bird. If he says the bird is dead, I'll simply open up my hands and it will fly away. And so he pursues this wise old sage and he asks the man the question, Sir, is the bird in my hands dead or alive? In this story, Charles recounts the man never looks at the man's hands but looks him straight in the eye and he says, My son, it's whatever you wish it to be. So it is with all of us. So it is. The life we live is the one we wish And it's in our hands to determine whether we'll live for life or live for death. It's in our hands to say, God, I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to seek your way, your principles, no matter what it takes. God, I seek and I follow you. You see, the story of Elijah is bigger. It's the story of the nation. It's the story of poor choices. And today, as pastors come forward... may think that God's a far way off, but he's not. He's as near as the nearest conversation that you can have by owning what you need to own. Because you know right now, probably, what your greatest fear or fears are. If you're a parent, it's probably concerned for your children, the future. If you're dealing with a health thing, that's probably on your mind. There's nothing wrong with having concern about that. It becomes sin when it becomes fear. You see, what happens when we stop fearing God, we stop being a witness. We believe we're too ordinary to do that. We believe we're, it, it's all on us, and God says, I want to work through you. And we become 
mission deserters. Now, in my mind right now, it tells me that we may have some that even here today that have deserted part of the mission or all of the mission because it became so focused about who will like me in my school, in my family, in my workplace, wherever. And we want to be accepted so badly that we justify not saying anything. Well, we'll just wait for God, God to open up a door. I mean, graduate high school, graduate college, graduate into the workplace, graduate into retirement, and then we die. Never becomes. But today you can say, I'm going to make a choice, God. I'm going to look for you and pray for opportunities. I'm going to wake up differently. I don't want to be a mission deserter. I want to make good choices. God, part of what happened to this nation is because so many believers deserted the mission. But I want to be back on board. Whether it ever turns or not, it's not the question. I want to be back on board because you want to work through someone that's willing to give their life totally to you and fear you only. If you'd like prayer over that type thing, in a moment you can come forward and pray with someone or pray alone. Don't even wait for me to say stand up. You can come right now and pray with someone or pray alone. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come today as a candidate for membership. We are looking for people that believe God for some crazy thing like having a revival in this city for the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe God can do that and God wants to. We just want to be part of it. We invite you to come if Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And if he's not your Lord and Savior yet, today you have a choice to make. One way or the other. Your heart can be hardened like Jezebel and feel like, shut up, pastor. Don't tell me what to believe. I'm my own person. I believe my own thing. Friend, I get it. I was that arrogant when it came to people talking about Jesus. But listen, it's not about me. It's not about these people. It's between you and God. And friend, God loved you. He paid your debt for sin on the cross because of that love. He bled and died and rose three days later. And he wants you to come to him on his terms and receive his forgiveness, his love, and his grace then live a life of serving him not to go to heaven not to be saved but because you are god has that for you today and there's a choice you cannot die or be on your deathbed and said god i never knew you know now you understand now that god provided salvation as a gift it's an opportunity maybe the last one to hear that and to make a decision please stand don't wait terry's here to lead us don't wait 